Welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in, mostly, chronological order. This is our weekly reaction series to Part 6, Ladies' Night, and tonight we will be covering Episode 15 of Part 6. Let me look this up. Wedding bells ring with the sound of gunfire. And so we're going to kick off our Ironic. little roundtable discussion. Indeed. No, I say that because it's the 15th episode. It's a wedding episode. It's basically a quinceañera at this point. <laughs> nobody? Nobody? Not even a titter? <laughs> uh, okay. I know it. I laughed. <laughs> I'm just processed now. I was like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, Natalie, how did you feel about this week's episode? I cried. Oh, by the way, by the way, that's true. That's Natalie, and I'm Chris. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, introductions. That, that's, 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 yeah, those those are sometimes necessary, and I usually don't think about them too often. I mean, sarcastically, if you've been with us for a while, you should know who we are by now. I'm Chris. That's Natalie, and that's Drew. <laughs> I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. <laughs> but back to the review itself. I'm not exaggerating. I, I did tear up a little bit. Um, I will say while Lupin is my favorite character in the franchise, honestly, my first love Air Bunnies, quote unquote, is Jigen, but not like in a fangirly way. I just think he's a very interesting character especially the older I've gotten and the gayer I've gotten. <laughs> um, the more I realize how wonderful Jigen is as a character. And I always love Jigen centered episodes that, you know, revolve around his haha revolving door of exes <laughs> or just people or just people of his past, including women who fall in love with him because it's not so often that Jigen gets an episode that deals with a, a love interest. I, I think I, I equate it to like um, what Tony Oliver said for the preview of um, my favorite episode of part two um, with the flamenco dancer, you know, like this, this time Jigen gets a girl in the episode, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, I loved, you know, I, I love the story. I love the symbolism of, um, you know, the lily of the valley. I um, I loved how the treasure was essentially a MacGuffin. And yeah, there's I, I just enjoyed so much of it. And again, for an episode centered on Jigen where, um, with a former romantic interest, it was very well done for part six. It's a really good filler episode. And I cried. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> nice. So, Chris, how did you feel about this week's episode? Yes, dear. Well, I I liked it. It was solid. I I just feel like it's kind of by the numbers. You know, it's like nothing here we really haven't seen before, you know. Reminded me quite a bit of uh, the Jigen episode of Part 4. You know, so it just all kind of felt very familiar. Which, you know, isn't always a bad thing. I, I still really enjoyed the episode a lot. I feel like there was kind of... I guess my biggest problem with it is that it seemed like they were trying to do too much at once because I feel like they were trying to make some kind of like statement about 
I don't know, class inequality with the uh, couple getting married, but they didn't really do much with it. Aside from that, though, I, I just don't really say about it. Like, it, I mean, it, it was good. I liked it, but you know, it didn't really, uh, you know, blow my mind or anything. Nice. I figured you guys got more to say about than I do. <laughs> so yeah, but with this one, this, this was a really, a really solid Jeekin episode. Like, like again, you give me like a really well written, moody Jeekin episode, and I'm just immediately a, just a very happy camper. And like, that, that, I, I'm pretty much right there, about where both of you are at. Just you know, it, it it's. It, it it feels familiar, but at the same time, like like the thing the thing about Lupin is that like Lupin usually kind of leans on the formula, but when the formula is done good, you know, it it's always super enjoyable. Um, um, if it ain't broke, indeed. I think one thing that really stood out to me in this one was, was I liked how, of course, I'm going to say this. It, it, it was kind of. The same way with that part four Jigen episode, like Jigen is like fully taking center stage here. Like he even tells Lupin, like you know, to stay behind. I've got this. We get to spend a whole episode with him. I I, I think the one thing like I really appreciate about this was uh, oddly enough the the directing in it. Yeah, so this one was directed by uh, Takashi Asami, and then uh, there was just a lot of moments in it where um uh, like specifically um the flashback to when Jigen first encounters uh Mylene is her name, if I'm not mistaken. Just just the way that uh he's there watching her, it starts like slowly raining. You like see the shot of like, you know, his foot on the rooftop and like the rain kind of drizzling. He looks up and it kind of like goes to black and you still hear the rain, but then you hear just like these gunshots. And you're met with a shot of mm-hmm. the pavement with just blood kind of trickling in. And then you just get this really cool shot panning up of all these bodies laying down. You see him with his revolver and he stumbles back against the wall. I don't know, like, it, it, it had, I don't know if noir is the right word, but it just had a really stylish, like, like, you know, like, like a moody noir character. It's kind of how Jigen was framed in this one, which I really enjoyed. Like, like him off in the off in the distance in the rain, watching her every day, like, you know, making sure she's safe, which was a really nice character moment. I, 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 I liked the, uh, the interaction between him and Mylene in the flashback. I thought their dialogue, the dialogue in general in this episode, I thought was fantastic from the moment where oh, agreed. she mentions, yeah. you know, that she's, you know, this doctor, just she doesn't think she has what it takes. And he tells her like, you know, in our line of business, either, like you, you, you either believe that you have it, or you just, you know, believe. You just quit. You don't. You just stop. Which I thought was very oddly funny on a meta level because you've got you eventually find out like in this little small town she's a part of. She's like this, you know, super like you know doctor. Like you know she's she, she's she healed this one guy who who said his leg was you know like mashed potatoes after a wreck. And it's just really funny because Akio Tsuka is the voice of Doctor Blackjack. And all the OVAs and TV series. So it was fun hearing. <laughs> it was fun hearing him coach another, <laughs> another extremely talented doctor on, <laughs> on their profession, <laughs> which was nice on a meta level. I never met a level I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, but this one it was just it was just really solid, and I, I'll have more to say as we go on. But just offhand, I don't know. Th- th- 
it made me really happy. You you write a solid Jeekin episode, you make him moody, you give him, you know, the the, the, the this love that he wants to have, but he has to, he, he can't have it. He's got to sit in the window and watch, you know, all melancholy like Lupin explicitly calls that out too when when Jeekin's sitting yeah. in the windowsill <laughs> and writes a terrible haiku about it. <laughs> which, was, which was great. So yeah, that, that that's my initial thoughts it's on bad it. It's bad because it has too many syllables. <laughs> which, you know, on that note, I, you know, like Lupin, you know, was a fairly small, you know, player in, in all this, but I really liked every scene he was in. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I thought he was written particularly well in this one. Especially, especially him. sorry, Chris, but just especially in the twist of the episode. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I'll say more about how he's, you know, overtly like, swooning over this bride he's seeing on TV, presumably just because he knows that uh, you know, it's going to piss Jigen off. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like it's... And I know this is very much a me thing, but first of all, I really liked how Jigen had the correct hair this week. <laughs> because I hate it whenever Jigen is drawn with bangs covering his eyes. It drives me nuts. I agree. Which, I know is a sh- which is a short trip, but still. And... You know, I also like that that uh, what's name Mylene, you know, keeps referencing Jigen's eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, lately it's gotten to the point where I'm surprised that you know TMS didn't like you know pixelate Jigen's eyes or put like a black bar over them or something. Because <laughs> the last few years, outside of the uh, you know, we saw like Opus's nose job in Bloom, in Bloom County. It's but like, but yeah, I'm. It seems like outside of the uh, Koike movies, like they've been afraid to show that he that he has eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, I like to joke that maybe one of the reasons why TMS doesn't animate his eyes is you know it's easier. You know, like oh yeah, this guy doesn't really show his eyes because the brim of his hat is always covering them. You know, budget concerns. Why draw eyes? <laughs> Let's put bangs <laughs> over him, or like where it looks like you can obviously put eyes there. You know, from a um from a physical standpoint, you know, from a humanistic standpoint, let's not put it there. You know, budget concerns, budget concerns. <laughs> they, they did that. And um, uh, in the finale of the Lupin versus Holmes arc, there was this one shot where he like looks up and where I should be, it was just a void. He was like, wow, we're still doing this, huh? Even when he's got the right hair. And like, I, okay. I feel like we got to go ahead and take this box off that bit in part five where Jigen has a where Jigen's wearing a knit cap, and he has it pulled down over his eyes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's like that. That bothers me to no end. I'm too neurotic to watch the show. <laughs> but one, but one thing's for sure in terms of like Jigen's eyes. Um, I talked about this with Guillaume in um, in our the first episode, and when we talked about. Um, how crisp and thorough um, that CGI animation and how expression, you know, how um, expressive the characters were, even for Jigen, for a character who, you know, who doesn't show his eyes, you don't see his eyes in the CGI for the first, he was still pretty expressive without that element. And I've just noticed throughout the years in the franchise that even like when it's, one of those, we're definitely not going to draw his eyes or we're just going to keep having it, you know, covered by bangs, which I'm with you, Chris. I don't like it either. He is not as expressionable 
And it kind of leaves him very bland and meh. But, you know, focusing back on his eyes in this episode and how, what's her name, Mylene, the doctor, you know, says those eyes are just so sad and, you know, like, but they are so kind. It's like, okay, finally, we're putting emphasis on this dude's eyes. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's what I like. It's actually, it was almost like a plot point. The mm-hmm. fact that Jigen has optical reception orbs. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, speaking of like really good dialogue, in it, that, that was one of my favorite um, uh, moments in it is when she mentions that, um, uh, tell me the exact line of dialogue. That those who um, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it was you know those who go through you know a lot of pain tend to you know come out you know with a lot of kindness. And one of the last lines of the episodes where she's like, you know, I just can't understand how a man that carries a gun has such kind eyes. And I don't know. That was that was just like a really nice aspect of the episode, kind of highlighting yeah. highlighting a part of Jigen's personality that like you don't get to see super often. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like his sweet side, because you even get that moment where he encounters uh, Fernand, you know, the, you know, the the groom to be in the woods, and, you know, gives mm-hmm. him some like some like, you know, really wholesome marriage advice, which I'm sure for Jigen has to like kind of hurt yeah. because who he's giving it to and like, you know, why. But it also shows just like how kind, mm-hmm. like, how kind he actually is. It, it was really, I like it. it made me happy. You know, Give me the feels. I, I'm, I feel like that whole thing with the running into the groom in the forest that I kind of felt flat for me. I guess because the groom himself didn't really get much in the way of characterization. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the stuff Jean was telling him was, I thought, fairly obvious. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, the the scene with the groomsman is very um, Julia Roberts' runaway bride. But um, <laughs> I will say this in terms of like how Jean is presented in here, and I will get to this whole sexuality discussion that I've been seeing floating around on Twitter on Twitter as the resident pansexual um, polyamorous person in the pod. Um, That's a lot of peas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you try saying that five times fast. Anyways, um, <laughs> with Jigen's character, and I say this a lot as how I've seen him written as a fanfic writer, reading fan fiction, and how I've seen iterations of Jigen canon wise in the franchise. I do think that beneath that sour demeanor, Jigen is a very kind person. Mm Kind of like with Lupin and how, you know, and I know Chris doesn't like this, but kind of like with Lupin and how they almost always try to go back to the Cagliostro formula of, you know, like, yeah. And I know Drew just tilted his head back like, uh, and it's like, (laughs) I will admit with Lupin and Cagliostro, that's what made me fell in love with Lupin as a character kind of in the first place that 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 gentlemanliness to the gentleman thief and how kind he was to Clarice and this knight in shining armor which yes can be a little bit overplayed for a character such as Lupin you know considering where his origins are from in the manga in the manga Jigen never really had a um a romantic interest except that one rando lady that they call Reddy in that yeah. really good manga chapter that I really enjoy That's so good yeah, spaghetti, spaghetti Jigen, I believe it was translated. Yeah, uh, that's what that's what Tokyo Pop called it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't remember what the um, greatest heist collection called it, um, yeah. because 
I haven't, I still haven't read th- through the whole thing and I have it digitally on my phone, but, but with Jigen, I do feel like underneath that sour demeanor, he is really kind. And if he were in a romantic relationship, whether it's with a woman or whether it's with a man or non-binary, whomever, he does, he would show this really sweet kindness to him that you would never expect from him. But the reason why he doesn't allow himself that, let alone why we don't see it, is because of his line of work. And maybe it is because he does see himself with Lupin or whatever. You know, I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling all the um the shippers out there. <laughs> but in his line of Let, work, let's not go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> but in his Please line don't. of work, he cannot allow himself to be in a relationship. He knows that. And I think he's already grieved for himself for that, which is why when something like this happens, and it almost always happens in the same manner, what I'm calling the Florence Nightingale effect, because this isn't the first time a woman who saved him, he's fallen, I don't want to say head over heels for, but essentially it happened with the nun Angelica in part two. It happened with... Um, oh, you know what they say? Old habits die hard. Shut up, Chris! <laughs> <laughs> it happened with um, the ballerina Monica in part two, who later double-crosses him, fucking bitch. And, oh my goodness, it also happened, even though she didn't really take care of him, but she was a doctor... That um, doctor lady in part four, it happened to an extent, but she was more falling for him and he kind of didn't see it. He was just like, mm-hmm. oh, you're wearing makeup today. You look nice. Well, bye, Felicia. I'm heading out. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks. 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 Unfortunately, and it, and it kind of turns into like the whole Kevin Costner, Whitney Houston, the bodyguard film. Um, but the thing of it is, it's unrequited on her part. She loves him deeply, but he can't bring him, bring himself to love her because, again, of his line of work. So the writers know what they're doing. And, oh, yeah. and I thank them for that. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it makes for compelling storytelling because it's believable on Jigen's end. Mm-hmm. So... There's my rant about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, because, like, well, you mentioned the fact that, like, in this episode, it's, 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 where am I going with this? Because I know where my end point is, but I'm trying to figure out how to get there. Um, <laughs> the way that I like how they strike the balance with Jigen being kind hearted deep down, but at the same time, they, they, they don't get. That's what I'm looking for. They don't get like too sappy with it because at the same time, mm-hmm. you've also got one of the most cold-hearted Jiga moments I can think of, like in recent memory, which we haven't even touched on the villains yet. Of course, they're not super memorable. They look memorable, you know, compared yeah. to you know, some villains we've had recently. I guess. Especially because it's the Jackal mm-hmm. and uh, Sed. And Sed, like, is specifically memorable because, like... That dude's character design, his his eyes kind of remind me of like of Monkey Punch to a certain degree, especially like kind of the hatching underneath them kind of remind me of that somewhat a little right. bit. And I liked the uh, yeah 
I, the yeah. detail that no attention is drawn to it, but he's got like these marks on his arm, almost like a Victor Zaz type thing. That's a Batman reference yeah. for anyone who's wondering. Oh, you mean like the, the mo- happy thing where um, the, they mark themselves per kill kind of thing? Yeah, that, that's that's the idea I got from it, which oh. was like an interesting detail. That like there's no attention drawn to, it, but if you catch it, you're like, oh, dude, this guy's messed up. And he like even mm-hmm. explicitly mentions like you know he doesn't like eating meat as much as he does like cutting it. And it led to that moment where, where he uh, he pins Jigen down, gets him close range, has his knife up against his magnum. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, your magnum's worthless this close. I've taken out like you know, like like you know, any gun then is this useless at this range. He's like, oh, my gun's useless, huh? Drops the revolver, grabs the dude's knife, shoves it into his neck, and the line of dialogue into his was, neck. "How's about a taste of your own medicine before you rot in hell?" As he just watches like, the dude bleed out, and I'm like. Like, like, man, even like Koike Jigen isn't that cold hearted. Like he shoots, like, like, like Koike Jigen shoots say. a guy's arm off, but that's it. <laughs> like, dang, man. Well, I mean, not even a, his arm off, just a big asshole in his arm. That's true. He gave him the courtesy of having like a, a, a part of it hanging there still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think something to keep in mind is that part six Jigen is, you know, quite a bit older than Koike Jigen. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, those movies are, I don't want to say explicitly, but heavily implied to be, you know, prequels to mm-hmm. the rest of the anime. Whereas parts five and six, you know, explicitly take place after Castle Cagliostro. I'm not going to get into that this week. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so this is a, you know, this is an older, you know, Jigen. And in some ways he's mellowed out. In some ways he certainly hasn't. And <laughs> in, in some ways, he's he's kindly being you know a marriage counselor out in the forest. In other ways, he's murdering an entire <laughs> squadron of SWAT team and cops just with an endless barrage of weapons stashed in the Mercedes Benz. So it's a well, it's, again, he's got a nice balance. You know, no, you're right, and it's like I like this dichotomy in the characters. Um, I you know again wishful thinking um you know especially out there in the world of fan fiction of these guys having domestic lives and like I mean I wrote the I write them having domestic lives and having families but that's not that's not for them at all and you know for them to reconcile with the things they do especially when you consider how hardcore it was in the manga like Goemon mm-hmm. you know even in episode in part one Goemon is like yeah I've killed people and Lupin's killed people Jigen's killed people oh, yeah. through all the zaniness and even through the sweet moments like these these people at the core of it are criminals like it's yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> like um it's like when I talk to people about my obsession with Phantom of the Opera and you know they look at me and they're like you know there's a lot of like consent issues in there and the phantom has killed several people and when i'm like oh i'm aware i'm aware that the phantom is a murderer but that doesn't diminish the fact that we love him <laughs> yeah i mean you know he is kind of the bad guy and that's okay yeah and <laughs> you know going back to the villains the very um the very monkey punch looking but what i feel not necessarily throwaway but just like one-off villains they were very one-off because the Mm -hmm. only reason they were even in the story was because mylene essentially called them out because you know Mm -hmm. you find out at the end that she puts this valued treasure, which is essentially a MacGuffin, you know, the loop oh, is after essentially it. about it. That's what it is. Yeah. It, it's a MacGuffin. <laughs> it's very much a MacGuffin. It, it, it could be anything and, and the story wouldn't be changed. Yeah. 
Um, but it was basically what started off the story. It's what Lupin wants. But at the core of it, she uses it as a way to have Jigen watch over her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did attract. Because she wants some, to see him one more time. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't attract some unmentionables, unwanteds, which were these guys. And that scene with Jigen and how he just flat out grabs this dude's knife and just fucking guts him in the neck. It's just like, it's harrowing. But why did I also find that pretty badass for Jigen? Because again, oh, it was badass this man is a because killer. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like, I love you, Jigen, but you a murderer. <laughs> especially, especially that, you know, you know that really badass uh, one-liner that Jigen gives after. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, it's so good. It was... Yeah, so... <laughs> it's like, you know, one night, Jigen flat-out murders a dude with his own weapon in the neck. The next day, Jigen's giving marriage counseling advice to a groom. <laughs> Solid man, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Indeed. A well-rounded individual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think... Um... I, I was, like I say, I was hoping. I, I actually like, you know, in like in other hands, I could see myself being disappointed by the fact that like, you know, the villains are like moderately hyped up because like, you know, Lupin mentions like, you know, they're pre-professionals. They, they, they never miss their mark. They never bring back survivors. There is, mm-hmm. I, I think like, I, I could say intentional, but there is humor in like these guys being built up as like, you know, they're, they're true professionals. They always kill. They always like make their target. And Jigen just like, without even hardly thinking about it, just takes them all out. Like in a, in the course mm-hmm. of what, like two days, almost <laughs> it, at least as that like comes across where like he wipes the room out, kills the knife guy. Right. And then at the wedding ceremony, <laughs> the two dresses the priest. And as the fireworks go up, Jigen just quickly shoves his revolver up to him in sync with the firework, plugs him, and is like, all right, that's it. That's <laughs> another clever here. moment right there, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was so great. Cool. Like, just like, without anyone in the in the wedding party noticing. But yeah, like, these villains, they're very throwaway villains because, you know, Lupin's hyping yeah. them up. And in two and a half days, they're taken out by this melancholy fuzzy gunman. <laughs> the fuzzy <Okay>. angel. <laughs> the fuzzy yeah. angel. Yep, I'm making Jig- a reference to that. And <laughs> Jiggy Poo. Yeah, Jiggy Poo. That too. <laughs> like, Zoid the 9000. Oh, this week with the translations. Mwah, chef's Gen- kiss. Absolute chef's mad kiss, man. bro. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't us saying we love you, but we love you. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, totally. Yeah, I really like that bit at the end though, when uh, when uh, you know Lupin, you know, shows Jigen the tear, and then he just chucks it into the uh, ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, to Lupin's dismay. <laughs> Very Titanic. <laughs> I suppose. I'm sorry. It's this again. That treasure is a MacGuffin, and the heart of the ocean in Titanic is also a MacGuffin, which is why it it had no importance to the story, which is why at the end, as stupid as I thought it was, Rose throws it into the ocean, but it made sense because it it, it wasn't that integral to the part. Neither was this treasure. So Jigen checking in the ocean like elderly Rose... 
very good for a romantic episode. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly you hear Celine Dion playing. (laughs) Yeah, Lupin will totally disagree with you. You know, that is a very fitting, you know, end, (laughs) which I thought was great. The, the, that final shot where it does like the Dazaki freeze yes. frame on Jigen Smug and it pans yeah. back and you see a like a, an incredibly distraught Lupin like on his knees holding like, <laughs> holding, like the gate. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it's, yeah, it just goes back to what we were saying, you know, to what you were saying before, Natalie, is that, you know, these guys are criminals. They're thieves. They're greedy and selfish. Yeah. And in this, in the case of this episode, that can be used for comedy. It was, and I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah, they're they're terrible people. They're criminals. Oh, I love I that they're. Terrible. Well, no, what I'm they're saying here people. is, on, on the on the level of society, they're terrible, but they do have hearts of gold that we love, which is why we love the dichotomy in these characters. We love that they are good natured people, and to them, you know what they're doing, which isn't correct, is good. Again, I'm just see. I'm I'm sitting here not condoning thievery, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I don't, I don't want y'all going to like Walmart and stealing shit and saying, "Well, Natalie said it's it's righteous," <laughs> <laughs> or maybe or maybe we are. <laughs> hey, hey, look, hey, look. I'm going there tomorrow. All right. I mean, I work there, so so thanks for giving me an alibi. I'm not sure how much water I'll hold, but we'll find out. <laughs> Boy, that maybe it's the stupidest thing I've said all day. Anyway. No. Another thing I will mention um, is the symbolic use of the Lily of the Valley. Um, and what I love also is that Mylene explains what symbolically as a flower Lilies of the Valley represent. Lilies of the Valley are kind of like, um, they're very, it's funny because um, kind of like when I was in Geneva recently and I was able to recognize a lot of um a lot of bugs and a lot of fish because I play way too much Animal Crossing. I know Lily of the Valley because of Animal Crossing, my island having five stars, and also because of Breaking Bad. <laughs> because, you know, lilies, lilies of the Valley, they have these little buds that are very poisonous, but they look very edible and delicious, though they're very deadly. Um, I, I don't know why. As, as someone who does love lilies, I just love the incorporation of this episode and in this episode. And I also love how in the beginning of the episode itself, you see Jigen and I and I knew it. I knew it was like, this is him explaining how he tried to break up with the love interest in the episode. Yep, it is. Because, you know, you see him trying to write the leather right by the lily of the valley. And then he goes away and says, all I can remember of that day was rain and the smell of lilies. <laughs> You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, that lilies are deadly mm-hmm. because I still don't, I still don't think that uh, the daughter of uh, Doctor Watson is completely innocent. <laughs> We're not going with this shit again, Chris. Oh my We're god! We're literally on the same train of. <laughs> We're literally on the same train of thought because while you were saying that, I was going to be like, you know, like, like Natalie, the way you're talking about this, the, you, so what you're saying is. This episode incorporated a lily better than the entire fi- last arc did, pretty much. Basically. Oh, damn. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Drew. I give you that thank, one. Thank, I give you that thank one. You. All right. Um, but no, I, 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 I really did enjoy the use. It, it was a nice, like, re- a nice, really, like, consistent thematic motif. Because, like, I also love the moment of um, uh, at the very end when uh, Lupin asks Miley, you know, like, you know, you still love him, don't you? 
and she doesn't answer. I thought this was a really like a genuinely beautiful moment where she like just kind of like hangs her head low. You hear this wind like coming in, and then this wind um, kind of like there's this shot where it blows up against you know the the lilies kind of growing nearby, and like you even see like tears well up in her eyes. And I think she mentions something to the effect of like the. Because she mentions what early in the episode, she mentions what the lilies symbolize. How does she say it in the end? Because she changes it around and mentions that it's about um, was was it accepting happiness or something to that effect? It's about accepting happiness and hold on, um, I'm looking love, it up real quick. Because she mentioned love yes. in the beginning, but she says something slightly so different basic- at the end. Well, basically, Lilies of the Valley, and this is just, you know, me remembering um, from something I did for Mother's Day a couple years ago. Um, Lilies of the Valley symbolize absolute purity, youth, sincerity, and discretion. But most importantly, it symbolizes happiness. And, um, you know, you ever heard of, like, um, I think it's also one of the common flowers that you give during May Day or something, um, which is not a holiday here in America, obviously. It's a holiday... um, in in the uk but yeah um lilies of the valley at the core of it represent happiness um lilies are my favorite flower and i just remember i wanted them for my quinceanera and my aunt told me they're common in funerals because they're the flowers of death chase another flower but it's just funny that lilies of the valley don't represent death at all as poisonous as they are they just represent happiness so Maybe I should have gone with Lilies of the Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Though lilies are also very poisonous to cats. That I that I know too. Ooh. Yeah, like you cannot have them at all. If you own a cat, you cannot have lilies at all in your house. Um, the, oh, damn. The spores can get on them and they can lick themselves and die. Yeah, that's terrible. Mm. <laughs> We're supposed to be talking about happiness. <laughs> okay, so here's the moment. So, So he asks... Do you still love him? There's a shot of the of the wind blowing against the lilies. A return to happiness is what she says at the end. It's, 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 yeah, it's, a return it's, to happiness, and like it's symbolizing, you know, like you know, she's she's. She, she, I don't know. This is me trying to be a armchair theorist in here, but she mentions like you know, she she gives the diamond lupine saying you know it symbolizes the lily of the valley. It's, it means a return to happiness. You know, she's giving it technically back to Jigen, I would assume, or something like that. And then Jigen just tosses it into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, again, very Titanic. <laughs> Draw me like one of your French thieves. Anyway. I Lord. <laughs> Come on, somebody had to do it. Uh, yeah, somebody yeah. was me. Again, like Titanic is just so memeable in the cultural lexicon that you just had to. Yeah. Indeed. But um but yeah, over you know, overall, in my opinion, with this episode, it it is another one of those classic Jigen with a woman love stories that none that do get overdone, but not not in a bad way. What I'm saying here is Jigen does have this curse because, you know, it's always joked upon that Jigen is a misogynist or a woman hater um, as a direct translation. But it's not that he's like anti-women or anything or he absolutely hates women. It's just that. It's mostly Fujiko he has an issue with. Yes, it's really Fujiko that he has an issue with. But also he has been burned so many times 
by women. Monica, the flamenco dancer named Linda. Um, he's had a lot of love interests where they were women and they've betrayed him. But he's also had love interests that were women and it just didn't work out. They either died or um, he left before they could get hurt. And I love how they're always keeping up with that. Again, I do write mm -hmm. that he does, in a sense, find happiness. But I do keep in mind when I do write that, that he's always worried in the back of my mind, she's either going to get hurt by me or she's going to get hurt by something else because that's in my line of work. Is this... Mm -hmm. I, I love when, when he's written well in the romance regard, yeah. even if I do ship him with Lupin at times. <laughs> well, again, like I feel like it's just, I, I, again, I like the episode. It was good. It just, we've seen this before, you know, and we've seen it done better. It just felt a little bit too formulaic for you from the Jigen aspect. Yeah. It's like, I, I knew exactly how, I feel, I feel like I knew exactly every single turn the plot was going to take. Although mm -hmm. I will admit I was, I was surprised that Mylene actually survived till the end of the episode. <laughs> but aside from that though, yeah, I, I pretty much knew where the whole thing was going. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. That, yeah. it wasn't bad. There's, there's a lot to like about it. It's just, I've seen it done before and better. Yeah, it, it, it has been done before. It is, um, it, we have seen it done better. I think my favorite iterations of it are definitely, um, the do you know Shakespeare um, episode, you know, with the, with Angelica the nun and um, because the ending, they do do that. Um, that's still shot too. Um, the ending had a very Western ending, especially because they played tornado in that one where in this one, they played Magnum dance. This oh. episode I'm, that we're talking about, I'm talking about, um, but also the other one, and I cannot think of the name of it. I've only seen it like maybe three times. It hasn't been dubbed. It's from part two. It's where Jigen saves um, the life of a former flame from his from back in his old days, um, who is who has who has a terminal illness, and you know he just tells her outright, oh, "I'm sorry," yeah. you know that's not my life anymore or something like, again, I've only seen it a handful of times, but it, it, that was another one of those GN episodes that just made me cry. <laughs> I, I, I think, let's see, I think the best time this, let's see, I think the time this type of story was done the best, in my opinion, was the second episode of the woman called Fujiko Mine. Oh, yes. Oh, with Chichilina. Three, yeah. Three, three, seven Magnum. I, honestly, probably the best episode of that series. It's not my there. favorite, but it is the best. Uh, my favorite is Vista de Arte, but only after you get past the Zenigata scene. <laughs> Boy, I've never been so I've never been so excited to see a dick in my life. Hold on, that's gonna require some context. It's because it was represented <laughs> with the, It's because it was represented with the Mars symbol. And yeah. I thought that was a really you know, I thought that was a really clever nod to you know Monkey Punch's original manga. No, agreed. But then when you realize who the Mars symbol then, belongs and, yeah, to. And, exactly. I was like, oh, Jesus, like walking out on your parents. No. But again, <laughs> I like that episode because it has my favorite opera and it's a Phantom of the Opera story. But I do. But, but here's the funny thing. Going back to the best episode of Women Called Fujiko Mine, Chris. Um, 
before that DVD was readily available um, by Funimation, you, back in the day, you could buy the episodes on iTunes. And this was before I had enough of a disposable income. I only bought two episodes from that series that are still on my iTunes. Um, the Vice de Arte episode and the Jigen episode. And again, I love Lupin, but Jigen's probably my favorite in-depth character. And I did love his intro, his um, origin story within that series. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mm. it's like a half hour film noir. It's great. Yes, and they still yeah, do the I same agree. thing of like Jigen being very melancholy and very reluctant to be in a relationship, but mm-hmm. only when. And, and and I'm sorry to say this, but I didn't like Chichalina. I found her just very bleh and. I know Guillaume's going to kill me for that. <laughs> um, I just didn't, I just didn't like her whole, Oh my God, I really want to die. I'm so depressed and suicidal. And then suddenly, you know, coffin sex, <laughs> not just for vampires anymore. <laughs> God, females have to be like really awkward for Jigen, Don't they? Where he's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> that happened. He just goes to a funeral and thinks, I've done I've done freakier shit in a coffin. <laughs> she can at a funeral looks, he's like, Man, I truly do have the weirdest boner right now. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like he's like he's like sitting at a funeral, he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> see sees the like, coffin. It's like sees I am in completely the wrong mood for the I'm completely in the wrong mood for the sort of event. I gotta get out of here. Yeah, just sees the coffin and is like, that is, I, I've done, you know, Lupin's like, what the fuck? And he's just like, I've done shit in, in a smaller enough coffin, bro. <laughs> I can relate to Jigen here because I get a little turned on whenever I hear Post Malone. I don't like it. Oh. <laughs> Do you think that's like a stipulation that Jigen put in his will after that where he's like, don't put me in a coffin. Like, I'll be happy in a bag. Just put me in the dirt. Just whatever you do, don't put me inside a coffin. <laughs> Cremate me, Cremate for God's me. sake. <laughs> I, have, I have a feeling Jigen, Jigen would be like my dad and would be like, just leave me in the morgue. <laughs> <laughs> don't identify me. Pulls out the body. Can you identify, with Lupin, can I identify this body, sir? No. But he was a good friend. Bye, Jigen. He's <laughs> like, sir, can you identify this body? Lupin like puts his hands over the eyes. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> oh God! And then, and then he looks. At, then he looks. He looks out. Sees someone from Kia Mesh is giving him a thumbs up. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> budget cuts. Budget cuts. <laughs> also, um, uh, one thing just came to mind. Um, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Am I the only person who thought this? The uh, the wedding scene, obviously, when um, uh, the jackal is revealed to be the priest. One of the one of the uh, the groomsmen obviously runs up and tries to stop him from you know from from taking a swipe at Mylene, and he gets sliced across the chest and starts to like deflate. And for a moment, I was like, man, I know that rich people are considered hollow, but like you know, this person's taking a bit, a bit seriously. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Wow, he really was full of hot air. 
<laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie for a second i thought the priest was lupon i thought like there was something gonna be a little bit more anticlimactic and then lupon just out of nowhere comes and saves mylene but no mm. I, I did like how it was the priest that was the villain and you know jegan springs right. up and saves mylene I, I i did like that the old groomsman balloon trick man if i had it works if every I had time it's every all wedding, the bitches for every, for every wedding i've done where that happens man <laughs> I wouldn't have to charge. It. I wouldn't have to charge anymore. But the, what was it? There was one last thing I was going to mention about the Grunzen balloon. Oh yeah, that, that did lead to another really awesome shot where um, um when Jigen puts the uh, revolver up to the up to uh, the jackal and like he mentions him, uh, he says something to the fact, you know, go be with your brother now. And when he fires, just a little bit of his mask tears off. Where where the uh, kind of like where yeah. he's got the revolver at, kind of looks like, like you know, the pressure from the impact. Kind of blows it off. You 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 see just enough of his of his face to be like, ah, uh, that was cool. again. This episode was directed incredibly well. Like yeah. especially um, um another moment that sticks out is the the the, the kind of passage of time when uh, Jigen's you know kind of like on the rooftops watching Mylene. It it goes from it raining to uh, the same order of shots, but now it's snow, which was like a really nice moment to show. I, I guess like from the moment yeah. of when he starts looking out here until like, you know, the wedding date until like around that time, which was a, that was, that was a cool little touch. Yeah. Again, just episode really well done. Very cheesy, mm-hmm. not cheesy, but it's like, it's romantic without being too sappy, which is how I like right. my Jigen romance. And, um, and it had a wedding, you know, I, I, you know, I'm single, but I'm not having any wedding blues or anything. It's this, um, from a story standpoint, weddings are just, you know, perfect uses of, um, for, for setting and drama and backgrounds. Um, yeah, I could agree. leave more to say oh, yeah. for the minister in, in the group. I'm only saying this cause <laughs> I'm now having, I'm now helping my best friend with her wedding since I'll be a maid of honor next year. Yay. But <laughs> weddings, I only, I always cry at them, <laughs> which is fitting for this episode. I tell you, man, the last wedding I went, the last wedding I did was so emotional. Even the cake was in tears. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. On fire here tonight. I'm, I'm pretty show. sure. I'm pretty sure I've made that joke every day since that wedding. <laughs> and I think I made it three times at the wedding. I'm pretty sure you've done that at every wedding you've been to. Every wedding you've officiated, nope. even. No, because most of them didn't have cakes. But that's irrelevant to the topic at hand here. <laughs> um, but um, uh, uh, just b- 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 before we wrap up, um, uh, I, 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 I agree. Like, you know, while this is a type of episode that we have seen before, you know, quite a number of times, I guess just the combination of like, you know, I, I thought the directing was excellent. The, 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 uh, the dialogue was wonderful. You know, the bits between Mylene and Jigen. So the bits between uh, Lupin and Jigen were really well done. Like, Although it has been done before and better in some places, like you know, this was an incredibly solid. It's kind of like what I mentioned with the uh, with Lupin the Third the First. Like you know, we've seen that kind mm-hmm. of story a lot. It's like a very good TV special, but you know, it's like a TV special formula, but executed really well. So if you, even if we have seen it often, if it's executed, you know, to the fullest extent it can be, I dig it. Exactly. Yeah, good stuff. And as you were saying, but speaking of weddings, 
yeah, speaking of weddings, um, I know I am planning my best, helping my best friend plan her wedding coming up, but I did get this wedding invitation in the mail, um, which is funny because I don't have any close friends or relatives that are getting married. And oh, it's actually a letter from Guillaume. Guillaume, who's he marrying? I, I, I don't know who he's marrying and I'm not being invited. Oh, I, I see the problem now. It looks like a wedding invitation, but it's not. Oh, well, let's read it and see what it says. Ahem. Greetings, Lupontic folks. Welcome back to Ladies Night with our review of episode 15 of Lupin the Third, part 6. Guest written by Akira Kindaishi. Just like episode 7, this is a Jigen-focused episode. And while I said back then that Jigen is a compelling lead, and I still believe so, his episodes often fall into the same recurring categories. This one is no exception as we explore Jigen's past love life. Milène, a doctor in Marseille, is marrying Count Fernand Mestre. Because yes, the French didn't kill all the aristocrats during the revolution, and while none of them have actual power anymore, they are still noble families, like the Dukes of Orléans, who are still trying to reinstate monarchy in France. <laughs> the fools. Milène once saved Jigen's life, and they started a relationship, possibly a physical one too, until Jigen, as usual, had to go back to his lonely criminal life. He could not even bring himself to write a decent Dear Jane note. A prize jewel, the Tear of Marseille, is to be given to Milene on her wedding day, as per tradition in the Maestre household. The jewel's picture was posted on the internet, sending Lupin and Jigen on Milene's path. But the jewel also attracts less gentle criminals, such as the serial kidnapper Jackal. Jigen, knowing thanks to Lupin that Jackal does not take prisoners, is set on protecting Milen's life. We see him watch over Milen, silently reminiscing of the time they shared in the past. He then confronts the crooks in quite a brutal showdown while the great new standard for The Mission by Yuji Ono is playing. By the way, the second Partex album is out and available as a digital copy worldwide. Jigen also takes a page from Lupin's book, and during the climax, he finally deals with Jackal once and for all, while disguised as a guest. We learn in the end that it was Melaine who posted the Jules picture online, in order to lure Lupin, hoping to see Jigen again. She was also fully aware of Jigen watching over her, showing her resourcefulness. With tears in her eyes, she silently admits that she still loves the bearded gunman. But our fuzzy angel would not show up to her, ultimately throwing the tear of Marseille to Lupin's dismay into the sea. After all, tears aren't his style. I will admit that on my first watch, I really didn't know if I liked the episode. Don't get me wrong, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but as I said at the beginning of this review, Jigen episodes do tend to follow the same beats. The main originality here is how Jigen is being a stealthy protector, and the final twist that gives some well-needed agency to Milane, who would not have been very proactive otherwise. You must know by now that I prefer when the franchise tries new things and steps away from old narratives. 
and to my personal disappointment, this episode feels very much like a part 2 or even a part 4 retread. But as I started talking about the episode with fellow fans, I realized that I was maybe unnecessarily harsh with the episode. My friend saw Jigen throwing the tear into the sea as a way to get the closure he did not really get when he first left Milane, and the way Marseille is shown under the rain, snow even, is quite different from the usual depiction of France's third largest city, usually associated with the sun and clear blue skies. It is also true that Jigen's eyes have never been explored so much before. It sheds a new light on Jigen's habit of hiding his eyes under a hat. Maybe because his eyes look too gentle for a killer. I liked how genuinely flustered Jigen was when looking at Milane, and the Lily's motif was a very nice touch. You know, I'm a sucker for flower language in fiction. I also appreciated Jigen's no-nonsense approach to life, between Yoda and Ron Swanson. He gives some truly useful life advice both to Milane in the past and the Count Ferdinand in the present. Speaking of the Count, I am glad that he was not a villain as I first suspected, but only an indecisive, self-conscious sap that needed to make a decision. And Jigen was the catalyst. Milane was a truly interesting character in her own right. An orphan who took the difficult path of becoming a doctor in a tough town, proving her worth as a member of the common folk and managing to reconcile the people and the aristocrats by her kindness. Overall, while I might not be as enthusiastic as my fellow co-hosts, I must admit that this episode shines by the little details that help elevate it from the usual Jigen in love narrative. Kudos, Akira Kindaichi! That's all for me, Lopantic folks. Next time, Goemon finally gets some spotlight as he becomes the muse of a fashion designer called Gabby. Until next time, stay safe. And remember, whatever your line of work, get it done. Or don't. But don't wallow in self-doubt. You can find me on Twitter at William Babe, B-A-B-E-Y, on Deventart and Art Station as Shin Red Deer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R and you can even commission me or send me a tip on my coffee also under Shin Red Deer. Oh, well, isn't that super sweet, Guillaume? Thank you. That's so sweet. I mean, he's almost as sweet as our fuzzy angel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So sweet as our fuzzy the angel. I was trying to make a haiku, but I was one too many syllables. <laughs> Much like Lupin. <laughs> Much like Lupin. He I will never mind. make the 575 Club Avatar The Last Airbender reference, anybody? Never mind. <laughs> well, anyways. Uh, what, do you call, what do you call a van that has five seats in the front, seven seats in the middle, and five in the in the rear? A haiku? A haiku brew. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I give you that one. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, On that note, uh, Chris, where can we find you? <laughs> the aforementioned minister. Back being beaten with a tire iron for these jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, look, they can't all be winners, all right? I think that, I think that nun, that, that nun joke was probably the highlight of my entire year. But No, just for tonight um, at least. <laughs> all right. I'm just going to have a beat. 
But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furball. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Newgrounds, and a few other places at Amazing Chris Godby. You can find my web comics at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.thecomicstrip.org. Very nice. And uh, Natalie, where can we find you? Getting ready to help plan a wedding. No. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, of course, at C-A-P-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. So at Kathleen Helsing. You can also find me on Instagram at Captain Lee Helsing. So C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. And you can find me with the podcast, of course. And Drew, where can we find the podcast? And of course, your socials. Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's a D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. And uh, you can find our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. And um, uh, you, can li- <clears throat> you can listen to our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to, you know, scroll on down and, you know, be sweet. Like our, you know, be, be, be sweet like our, like our titular gunman and consider giving us five stars. <laughs> well, but just like any wedding you go to, you know, there's that little guest book that they make you sign and you say stuff like, have a long and happy marriage. Well, kind of do the same thing for us, but as a review. None of us are married, but just, you know, <laughs> wish us well. Tell us that you like us. Five stars on iTunes would be a fantastic wedding present. Just saying. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, as I said in the episode, you listen to our podcast up and you know how it is. As Mylene said, people who go through a lot of pain tend to have kindness in their heart. So, you know, if you listen to the show long enough, consider giving us some kind words. Because <laughs> we go through a lot of pain sometimes. <laughs> oh, like the pain of watching the Sherlock storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Life is pain. Oh, chocolate. As my, as my Twitter banner now says. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and with that note, folks, see you next time, Lupontic folks. Gonna throw the bouquet over. Good night. Bye. That <laughs> is. time on Cybirds und Cigarettes. I am Karl Lagerfeld. Remember guys, you want a hot body? You want a Maserati? You want to be a samurai? You better work, bitch.
Gabi, Gabi, tu devrais pas me laisser la nuit. Je peux pas dormir, je fais que des conneries. Oh, Gabi, Gabi, tu veux que je te chante la mer Le long, le long des golfs, pas très clair.